Hello students and welcome back to another course of the Lore of the Iron Kingdoms with me, Professor Caster. Today we're talking about the Kadoran Irregulars, which is basically a fighting force that is not really as trained as, say, the Winter Guard unit. These guys are a little bit more, uh, well, freelanced or specialized in survival tactics in the wilderness and things like that. Or, you know, maybe they are mobsters that just happen to work for Kadoran coin. That could also be it as well. But as we are all aware of the Kadoran military policy, everybody serves the motherland. Also, thank you guys so much for listening and commenting and liking, subscribing, and all that fun stuff. Keep this steam train rolling. And as always, thank you, Private Press, for letting us read your fantastic lore. But before further ado, let's begin with the Kazite Woodsmen. These guys are the most common irregular that you will see because these guys are actually made up of a lot of the outlying villages around Kodor that aren't really that close to any kind of... I don't want to say civilization, but basically large cities that have more commerce. So these guys are basically, you know, people from the, the sticks. But let's begin. Kazite Woodsmen. Kadoran law requires that all citizens serve in the military, even those on the far fringes. The Kazite clans of the far north receive no exemption from conscription, but are allowed to serve in a different manner as irregulars. Their clothes may be motley, but their minds are sharp, and like other Kadoran people, they descend from ancient warriors. While their muskets and elk horn bows bear the patina of years, they are no less deadly for their age. Expert trackers and deadly hunters, the Kazites trust in nothing to save their own abilities and rely on no others but themselves. The wilderness skills of these fiercely independent people prompt the high command to allow Kazite troops some latitude within the military structure. The woodsmen's encampment separate from the Winter Guard and demonstrate limited discipline. Members of the Kazite band usually come from the same clan and are accustomed to working together. They need no guidance to lay devastating ambushes before retreating back into the forest they know so well. That they are ill-suited to withstand direct confrontation with lines of infantry in no way diminishes their usefulness. Wise Kadorn officers know every weapon has its place. The ambushes of Kazite specialize in have earned them a fearsome reputation among the enemies of the motherland. Even the most experienced of Signaran rangers have on occasion found themselves surrounded by these peerless woodsmen. The rank and file of the Kadorn military have a grudging respect for Kazites. Having been saved more than once by a timely arrival of a band of woodsmen appearing as if by miracle on the enemy's flank, many enemy forces have believed themselves well deployed only to be undone by Kazites waiting patiently in ambush. And these guys have gotten better, have gotten worse, have gotten better again depending on the updates from Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3, and Mark 4. And I've actually used these guys a handful of times myself just because the usefulness of having an ambush um, unit ability is always, well, useful. Uh, and like mentioned, every weapon has its place. So if you're using these guys the way they're meant to be used, they're pretty useful. If you're using them in a way that they are not meant to be used, they're pretty pitiful and they get removed pretty dang quick. But let's go over the uh, Mark III to Mark IV changes on these guys and see if they've gotten better, see if they've gotten worse. We shall find out. Alrighty, well, it appears they have not really changed all that much. Well, actually, they did change a little bit. They're still a speed six, still a mat five, although their rat has gone up to a six from a rat four, so they've actually gotten way better at aiming, which is phenomenal. 
Um, they're still an ambush model. They still have Pathfinder. They still have advanced deployment if you don't actually use their ambush ability. And they still have Prowl. One of the moves they removed from them in Mark IV is Backstab. Unfortunately, since there is no back arc anymore, you can't really backstab, which kind of takes out some of the usefulness of these guys. However, one of the upsides about the new Mark IV is these guys are actually cheaper in point cost, costing for a unit of five of these guys five points, which is the cost of a decent solo. And for a five-man unit, each with ambush and being able to shoot a rat of six from ten inches away, at a POW 10, these guys are, you know, can be very annoying to whatever people they pop up on. And what is that? A point per model now? I think that is well worth the five points to get these guys out on the field and doing some work. But let's move on. Widowmaker Scouts. The Widowmakers are an elite scout sniper division of the Kadoran military, which has embraced and elevated them to a status of national heroes. The standard to join are among the most exacting of all Kadoran specialist forces, and only those riflemen who demonstrate peerless skill with a rifle are accepted. Because the Widowmakers are first and foremost a merit-based corp, membership is open to any who aspire to bring death from afar, whether peasant-born or noble blood. Widowmakers wield their long-barreled hunting rifles with skill that cannot be overstated able to take apart incoming warjacks piece by piece with well-placed shots. Killing a foe is as automatic as drawing breath. A Widowmaker's primary role is to neutralize officers to facilitate chaos among the enemy. They frequently advance ahead of the main battle group, their arrival indicated by an enemy officer abruptly falling dead before the report of rifle fire can be even identified. They also support strategic withdrawals by ensuring Kador's own wounded do not become prisoners. If a downed officer cannot be retrieved, Widowmakers make certain he does not fall into the wrong hands for interrogation. A true patriot knows it is better to die by a comrade's bullet than to be placed in the irons on an enemy's torture rack. The very reputation of the Widowmakers inspires fear and hatred in many quarters and the scouts understand that this, too, is part of their service. Officially, Widowmakers are not assigned roles in domestic conflicts, but it is rumored that their talents have been employed to pick off dissenters, rabble-rousers, and corrupt chaoses suspected of disloyalty to the crown. From their enemies, captured Widowmakers expect little charity. Indeed, Signarins often hang them without trial. Yeah, I feel like these types of snipers are just way too good for their own sake. That's why these guys are so rare. And their units always are only a four-man unit, so you really can't have too many of these guys on the field. But yeah, I've seen these guys take out officers. I've seen these guys pull apart warjacks, taking off entire branches, or downing war beasts with a, just a volley of well-placed shots, removing their spirit to keep on going. Yeah, these guys are super dangerous and super elite. And at a range 14, these guys can take position somewhere on the battlefield and just clear it for the entire game, gaining their aiming bonuses. But let's go over their Mark IV changes, shall we? And I don't see too much changing on these guys just because, well, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty good at what they do. But they still have uh, speed six. They still have a mat. Well, their mat actually went up to a mat 5, so yay for them if they ever get into melee. These guys are not supposed to be in melee, so make sure that never happens. Uh, their rat is still 7, defense is still 14, and arm is still 11. They still have advanced deployment, and they still have pathfinder. 
and they still have their hunting rifle that is a range 14 and a POW 10, although we're not too worried about the POW on that because they are a sniper. So instead of them having to roll for damage, they auto do one point of damage um, and remove tough whenever they shoot a model. They also have marksmen as well, so they choose where they damage. So on a warjack, they choose the column, and on a war beast, they choose the branch. So these guys are phenomenal, and they only have a field allowance of one. So yeah, you want to keep these guys uh, keep these guys well protected because these guys will do some work, especially in the late game when you need to take off some uh, hard to hit solos. And the point cost of these guys actually went down one point, so they are now six instead of seven and you still get four of them so that's even well worth the money let's move on to their more elite version who likes to give normal widowmaker units some pointers while they're in the battlefield which for somebody that's as deadly as the widowmakers getting them more pointers is even more dangerous let's begin the widowmaker marksman tales of the sharpshooting skills of kador's widowmakers abound some growing in scale and grandeur with each telling when it comes to the motherland's senior marksmen, though, the stories need no embellishment. Only the best Widowmakers can hope to join their ranks, and the intense additional training they endure to achieve marksman status is even longer and more grueling than that required to become a Widowmaker. Few make the cut, but the high price they pay shows its worth on the field. Time and again, it is the shot of a Widowmaker marksman that turns the tide of battle and decides the fate of an entire battalion. Operating independently, these highly specialized Widowmaker snipers move unobserved across the battlefield. Each is an expert in the selection of effective targets, those individuals whose loss will hurt the enemy the most. Whether because of rank, skill, or position, they will neutralize the unfortunate prey with a single shot before relocating. A lone marksman can completely demoralize opponents with just a few carefully chosen shots. The marksman's steely eyes miss nothing and they are skilled on silent communicating the disposition of potential targets to fellow Widowmakers. The expert marksmen are equipped with a special military variant of the Venar Liberator Rifle, a more powerful weapon than the accustomed Veslosviki hunting rifle, sorry if I mispronounced that one, issued to Widowmaker scout units. Capable of tearing through plate armor, Liberator rounds are as precise as they are lethal in the hands of a marksman. Some Widowmakers claim the heft of the rifle itself grants an advantage, adding to its stability and thereby increasing its accuracy. Well, that may be, but uh, you know their <laughs> their bullets do rip through quite a quite a bit. And having the one of these guys on the field, heck, you don't even have to have him running with the whole Widowmaker unit. Him just being a solo that can snipe at a three points of damage auto is still super dangerous. Although <laughs> you adding him in with a Widowmaker unit you're just you're clearing seven points so you can drop a you can drop a man of war if you need to although men of war Kador and so most likely you wouldn't have to drop a man of war but you know you get my point you can drop heavy solos pretty quick with a group of these guys running uh, running with a marksman but let's see the mark three to mark four changes and see how much better or worse these guys have gotten Alrighty, appears they are still a speed six still a mat four well five now um, still a rat 8, because this guy's really good at shooting. Still a defense 14, and still an armor 11. Uh, looks like one of the major things they removed from this guy is his stealth ability. 
and they replaced it with Prowl, unfortunately. Honestly, I like that these guys had stealth, but, you know, that's, uh, that's what you get for balance, right? His rifle is the Venar Liberator. It's still a range 14. It's actually a POW 12 base instead of the normal Widowmaker's POW 10 base. And this guy has deadly shot on that, so instead of doing one damage as sniper, he does three damage auto and he removes tough when he shoots somebody, so yay for that. Alrighty, and outside of him losing his innate stealth, he still has leadership Widowmakers where he gives all the Widowmakers within 10 inches of him Swift Hunter, so after an attack, that destroys somebody, they can move two inches. So they can come out, pop somebody, then head back two inches to find cover again, which on a guy that already has a 14 defense, having cover or stealth gets you up to a 16 or 18 defense, making you even more deadly because then people can't even shoot you. But yeah, that's what we got. So fortunately he lost stealth, but he is still just as good and just as deadly on the battlefield. Just needs to be kept in a little bit better cover. But let's move on. Let's go over one of the most interesting of the solos that Kador has. Uh, being one of the first solos that I actually got to interact a lot with just because he's been around for a long time. Or at least these, these solos, he's not a character or anything. He's just a regular old solo, but let's read about him. The Manhunter. Fishing and hunting are significant sources of food for many rural areas of Kador. Kadoran hunters tend to be held to higher regard than those of other kingdoms particularly in the cold and rugged northern mountains and forests. Experts at tracking and killing dangerous game, some have moved on to the most cunning prey of all, man. Above all, manhunters are trackers skilled in traversing the hostile wilderness. Lowland brushes and forests and snow are all accessible as well-paved roads to the manhunter. Long years of harsh life in the Kadoran wilds have hardened their bodies and refined their skills, even as it's darkened their skin. Masters of camouflage and hiding in plain sight, manhunters are scouts and sometimes assassins for the right price. Manhunters often accompany reconnaissance groups of Widowmakers and their Kazite peers to strike at the enemy from unexpected directions, usually operating behind enemy lines. Whether stalking prey in silence or swinging their twin hand axes with blinding efficiency, they are frightful killers. The hiring of such men by the Kadoran army is an old tradition, and their value on the fringes has been exploited in many wars. In exchange for their services, they are well provided for by the armies that hire them. They are dark whispers of manhunters who enjoy the hunt too much and give in to their animal urges and the euphoria of the kill. These hunters often possess track records good enough to offset the dark rumors. However, and there are none better at chasing an enemy to ground. And these guys can pop up out of nowhere, hit hit these guys, and then dump back into the forest and be gone before you know it. And these guys are super skilled with those twin axes they run around with. And I say guys, but these guys are actually both male and female, because you'll see both types of manhunters used by the Kadoran army, because, well, skill is skill, and killing people with axes is always going to be useful to these guys. But let's go over their Mark III to Mark IV changes and see if they got better, got worse, or about the same. Alrighty, well, it appears their stat line's pretty much the same. Still a speed of 6, still a mat of 8, uh, defense 14, armor 14. And unfortunately, they removed their innate stealth and gave them prowl. So these guys no longer have innate stealth anymore, unfortunately. So these guys got to be hiding in the brush a little bit more often. 
Uh, they still have tough. They they were given ambush. Oh my goodness, that is actually way nice because back in the day they did not have ambush. So that makes these guys even more scarier than that. I suppose you don't need to be stealth up the field if you can just pop out from the corners, right? Um, it appears they their axes haven't changed much. They are still a... Well, actually their range is actually a one inch because they removed the half inch range. So that's kind of nice. Uh, it's still a power 11, but they still are a weapon master. So on a charge, these guys are swinging with a mat 8 at 4 dice of damage on an 11, which, well, that's still a lot of damage even to a, uh, a war jack or a war beast. These guys are surprisingly hard hitters. And even if they just walk up and hit you with 3 dice automatically, that's still a, a good amount of damage. But I would say their Mark IV changes is a net positive for these guys. Having ambush is great. For the Manhunter, especially a solo as he is, and if you can walk him into the forest behind enemy lines, that's going to do you some loads of good. But let's move on to something even more dangerous, speaking of certain Manhunters that fall into their animal urges. We are of course talking about Yuri the Axe. Kadorans have a reputation as hardy and rugged people, descended from the blood of warriors toughened by their unforgiving land. Yet even stoic Kadorans describe the wild mountain folk as far northern reaches with respect born from fear. They hail from the harsh and bitter landscape whose inhabitants must survive extreme cold, unforgiving terrain, and bloodthirsty creatures prowling in the Niskatha Mountains? I think that's how you say it. Among those who call the frozen north home is a brutal killer named Yuri the Axe. This man loves the motherland with fierce devotion and sees no contradiction between his patriotism and his scornful disdain for the law. Many Kadoran families consider it nothing short of criminal that Yuri walks the world as a free man and would gladly put an end to him if they could. The widows and orphans he has created take no comfort from Yuri's insistence that he never slain a man who did not earn it. Yuri does not kill from any deeper malice. As a hunter in nature, he finds killing as easy and often expedient solution to any given problem. Yuri moves easily from hunting animals to hunting men. He took up bounties on gangs of outlaws and rid the northern hills of bandits and poachers. The thrill of the kind of hunt appealed to him, and eventually he set on a trail of rogue company of winter guard that had turned to extortion near Oldenfrost. Yuri hunted them for weeks, first eliminating their sentries, then methodically exterminating every patrol that ventured from their barracks. In the end, those who did not kill died of cold and starvation, too frightened to step outdoors. Word of his deeds spread, even the warlike Nis of the shard spires learned to avoid Yuri's hunting grounds and called him Slishar, or the Madden Bear. The destruction of the Winter Guard Company drew the ire of the Third Border Legion, who made bringing the killer to justice a top priority. Yuri made sport of his hunters by leading them into switchback ambushes, bone-crushing traps. The procession of local manhunters and highly skilled agents in the service of the great Prince Volovric was set on Yuri's trail. Yuri delighted in testing the manhunters who came to slay him. He called them out before ending their lives with a quick sweep of his axe. Such a man as Yuri could suffer only one of two fates, execution or service to the state. The four northern great princes wintering at the Haas Privak Prinkov, sorry, Haas Prinkov, in the city of Servokik, 
I, that's, uh, I'm, I'm not even going to know how to pronounce that, so we're just going to move on. Decided the later options seem less costly. So they sent an offer to, of amnesty on the condition that Yuri lend his talents to the high command. Yuri accepted the bargain with surprising enthusiasm. He has proven true to his word, destroying the enemies of the motherland where and when required. He has even gained a following among Kadorn's wilderness fighters, many of whom seek him out to learn the ways of the hunt. They could find no better teacher, and Yuri instructs best by grim example. While Yuri has no friends, he has found bloodstained comrades with both the Doom Reaver Fenris and the Butcher of Kardov. When Orsif Zokdavir went missing after a siege of Felig, some thought Yuri somehow responsible, but the persistence of their association since the Butcher's return quelled the rumors. The soldiers of the Winter Guard still shudder to see these inhuman monsters keep such close company. And that actually makes sense that he would be friends with the Butcher and Fenris. We'll discuss Fenris next week. But yeah, they are cold-blooded killers, and they like to be very melee killers, so these guys are going to be up on you as quickly as you don't even realize they're there. And Yuri is, well, if Yuri's running a company of regulars, you best watch out, because he's probably taught them a thing or two about hiding in the forest. But uh, yeah, he is a, he is definitely scary with that axe, being such a ginormous axe, he can clear entire swaths of units in one strike. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a scary dude. But let's go over his Mark 3 to Mark 4 changes and see if he's gotten better, gotten worse, or neutral. Alrighty, his stat line is still the same. Still a speed 6, mat 8, uh, defense 14, arm 14. It appears as per usual for Mark 4, they have removed his innate stealth and given him prowl. Unfortunately, that kind of sucks. And it appears his great axe has been nerfed down a little bit from a... A power plus strength of 13 as a weapon master to just a power 11 as a weapon master. That is unfortunate, but he does have Thresher on it, so he can hit everybody in his front arc. And guess what? Front arc is now 360 degrees, so if you drop him into a unit, like say in the middle of a unit, he just spins around like a scary little tornado top with a weapon master on top of that. So yeah, that's spooky. Also make sure this guy's not within any of your guys that you don't want dead when he's doing his thresher because well, he doesn't care if they're friendly or enemy models because it's a thresher, he's just swinging his ax. All right, and one of the moves that he kept was Elite Cadre, Kazite Woodsman and Manhunter where he gives them Tree Walker. And Tree Walker allows, allows him to ignore forest when determining line of sight. And then he, gain, he gains a plus two defense against melee attacks while within a forest. So that is pretty sweet, getting a melee bonus while you're in the forest and you can ignore forests if they're not there. Which for Kazite Woodsmen, if they're hiding behind a woods and they have a 10 inch range, that means they can shoot through the woods and then they can be safe from any kind of chargebacks or anything like that. Because, you know, everybody more dangerous that are working with the ADX. Also appears in Mark IV, they have given him Sprint. So after he destroys a model or removes it from play, he can make a full advance so he can get himself in and get himself out of there quick. And because they removed tackle opportunities, well, that just makes that a little bit better so you don't have to worry about him getting hit on his way out. But that is awesome. Now let's go over his Riot Quest version as well. Yuri the Hunter. And as per usual, there is not that much information on Yuri the Hunter because, well, this is based on the 
ravings of a madman. So that is what we have to go on. Also, there is no Mark IV yet on Yuri the Hunter. I'm not sure if there will be. We'll see in the future. But let's begin. After the claiming, Yuri set out to atone for his career as a state-sanctioned manhunter. He tried to live and let live, find peace without violence. But death follows Yuri in the way night follows day. And when the only tool in your toolbox is a headsman axe, every obstacle looks like a head waiting to be severed. Yeah, that's the kind of man who tried to be uh, tried to be peaceful loving, but you know, just keeps getting pulled right back into it afterwards. Let's go over his Mark III versions and make some uh, assumptions on what his Mark IV will look like. Uh, but Yuri the Hunter, speed six, Matt eight, Rat is seven now. Uh, defense is 14, armor 14. He has advanced deployment, pathfinder, stealth, and tough. Uh, also, something I did not realize, uh, Yuri, the axe, the original version, it appears they gave him ambush as well. So, you know, look out for Yuri the axe. He has ambush. Be very careful with that. And most likely, Yuri the hunter will also be given ambush as well. And they'll probably remove his innate stealth and give him prowl like his other form as well but his weapons have changed so he now carries a tharn bow which is a range 12 power 14 so i guess that's why his rat went up uh, and then his axe was replaced with a hunting knife uh, still a weapon master and it's a power plus strength 10 so not the not as crazy as his axe uh, i would say he's more of a ranged model now but let's see his abilities and looks like Yuri the Hunter already had Ambush, so most likely that's probably why they give Yuri the Axe Ambush as well. Uh, and then he has Covered Tracks, which allow him to put a Trapper down after he kills somebody. And a Trapper, because you can also put that down as a special action, is a AoE 4, probably going to change to an AoE 3 and Mark 4. And anything walking in, living or undead, suffer a POW 10 damage roll if they walk through it and they don't have Flight. Also, he has Hunter, uh, which allows him to ignore concealment and cover when making range attacks. And his Tharnbow has Arcing Fire. So this guy is definitely more ranged than his his uh, melee counterpart. So, yeah. But them getting Ambush is great for these models. Because having, having Kazite Woodsman, Manhunters, and Yuri the Axe all ambushing from one side of the table would be terrifying and very hard to counter. But let's move on. And the next models we're going to be discussing are the Kayazi models, or the Kadorn Mafia, basically, models. Um, none of these are in Mark IV yet, so we're just going to be discussing their Mark III counterparts, unfortunately. But let's go over them. And we're going to be going over the Kayazi Assassins, basically the foot troops of any kind of these organizations. And you'll see most Kayazi Assassins out as well, the normal rank and file of these guys. While the commanders have earned their share of glory, others seek profit from Kador's recent conquest. The Kazi, the great Kadorn merchant princes and industrialists, have supported the war with hard work and coin. These scheming manipulators have long preserved the interest by employing highly skilled killers against their rivals in bloody games of commerce. Their deadly emissaries work together to surround and slaughter an enemy with brutal stabs from their plunging blades. On the orders of the Kayazi, these gangs of assassins have come south to bring the skills they have honed at swordplay and murder onto the battlefield. In this fashion, the merchant princes assure that their profits continue to flow unimpeded by the vagrancies 
of military command. Drawn originally from Brachias, the most ruthless and skilled street gangs in the larger Cadoran cities, these grim killers survived many a treacherous alleyway encounter by slitting the throats of those who would have done the same to them. Serving the Kayazi as assassins brings a measure of respect and status, and these individuals climbed the ranks of the underworld on a mounting pile of corpses to gain the patronage of their influential masters. Many soldiers feel uncomfortable around these murderous duelists, but none can fault their skills and efficiency. These blade masters learn the duelist art in the school that where failure brought deadly consequences. They fight in the Korsk style, wielding a thrusting blade in one hand while using their cloak in the other to entangle foes' weapons and arms before striking. Chaosi assassins boast expertise in swordplay equal to or superior to that of pompous blade masters of noble lineage. Few can stand against the flurry of flashing blades as several assassins close at once on their chosen victims. And these guys are actually really, really good at causing all sorts of chaos on the battlefield because unlike, uh, unlike say, the Manhunters or Kazite Woodsmen, uh, these guys want to be in close and they want to do a lot of damage very quickly. But then they need to back off because they will probably, you know, fare just as well as the Kazite Woodsmen when someone starts attacking them back. But they are pretty dodgy in comparison, so that might do well. But let's read over the Mark Three because there is no Mark Four on these guys yet. And then we can make assumptions on what's going to happen to them. So their stat line is a speed 6, mat 6, uh, rat 4, defense 13, and armor 12. Uh, they have parry, which is probably going to be removed because, well, why would you need... Well, they might remove. They might change parry for the, for the uh, unstoppable or whatever we call it in Mark 4. It allows them to move through melee range without any kind of, uh, without any kind of negative effects. Uh, they have stealth, which I feel they might actually keep stealth just because that would be really useful to these guys. But they have an assassin's blade and they have most likely the range going to go up to one inch just because every melee thing's going up to one inch. And they are a power plus strength of a 10. They also have anatomical, an, anatomical precision. That's what it is. Um, so just like the sniper, when these guys make an attack, if they can't exceed the armor roll of a model they're hitting, they automatically do one point of damage. Well, I suppose that's a little different from a sniper who do just auto one without having to roll any dice. Oh well. Uh, but with that one, they also remove their tough. Uh, they're also a duelist, so they get plus two to their defense against melee attack rolls. So it gets their defense up to a 15, which is pretty hard to hit. And they also have gang too, so if they're all hitting the same models, they gain a plus two to their melee attacks and damage rolls, getting them up to a POW 12 and a mat of 8, which makes these guys really good at getting in there, doing lots of damage, but these guys got to get out, or if they're shot at, they're going to be shot at, uh, at least from 5 inches or closer. So, yeah, these guys are really good at melee, but they have very pitifully low armor. But let's move on. The Kiazi Assassin Underboss. Some say the ruthless underbosses that lead the hand-picked bands of assassins hold the true power among the killers employed by the Kayazi. These criminal commanders achieved their status among cutthroat competitions among the Korsk betrayers. Or sorry, Batias. Sorry, my Kadoran very bad. Beyond deadly efficiency with a blade, an underboss must demonstrate intelligence, patience, and the ability to accumulate and preserve wealth. Surviving long enough to enjoy one's fortune is an accomplishment in itself, but underbosses cannot afford to become soft 
as their underlings stand ready to replace them at any sign of weakness. The Kazi often set rival Bretias against one another in the underworld shifts of alliances and betrayals. The vast riches of the Kazi offer them to participate in the ongoing war effort that have not gone unnoticed, and many underbosses want to claim a piece of the action. These ambitious assassins make the necessary arrangements for their kills and enhance select the best murderers among their crews. Underbosses often lead particularly important strikes personally to show subordinates how exactly to do things properly. Hiring an underboss and his crew represents a substantial investment, but one well worth the coin, for such a group can all but assure completion of the task. These seasoned killers know that no peaceful retirement awaits them if they should fail. Those that displease the underboss will be maimed if he is feeling merciful or have their throats slit. I once heard these guys, the harder decision is not to kill somebody rather than let them live. Uh, just because, well, they are definitely killers in their long right and Kazi assassin underbosses. How do you become an underboss of people that are already called assassins? I imagine your body count is just a lot larger and you have a lot fewer people over you. So, yeah, these guys are remarkably dangerous and remarkably skilled with those knives they like to run around with so much. But let's go over there, Mark 3, and make assumptions on what we're looking at on Mark 4. And one of the things I think they might do, because they've been doing this a lot for any kind of attachments, is turning them into solos that just give like a more of an ability to anybody around them that are, you know, their particular group. So, yeah. But let's go over his stats. He is a, a speed six, a mat of eight. So he's actually way more stabby than his, his uh, subordinates. Uh, he is a defense of 13 and an arm 12. Uh, he has ranking commander, so of course he'll always be the commander in a unit. Uh, he has parry, he has stealth, and he has tough. Um, I believe they will remove parry and give him the unstoppable. That's what it's called, I think. And allow him to move through there. Uh, he has two twin blades, so he makes two melee attacks himself. And of course the range will probably move up to one. Uh, and then he has health points, he has five health boxes, and he's tough. So, you know, if you do kill him outright, he has a chance to just sit down. Uh, he, he still has anatomical precision as well, so if he does not exceed the armor of what he's hitting, he automatically does one damage point and removes their tough. Uh, he still is part of the gang, so he still gets a plus two to that melee attack and plus two to the melee damage roll, which is insane for some guy who already has a mat of eight. And he has his once a game ability called Killing Stroke, which is probably going to be removed because, well, it gives people in his unit the backstab ability, which is kind of not really useful in Mark IV. And then he has Tactic Shadow Dance, which allows his guys, after they stab somebody, that another guy in their unit can move three inches from their current location. And then, of course, he also has Duelist as well, which gives him a plus two against melee attacks. So, yeah, I feel like his, feel like his abilities will be changed, although... I don't see why they would keep Shadow Dance rather than just replace it with Reposition 3. Uh, just because that's more simpler, simply worded. And then Killing Stroke will be probably removed because Backstab's no longer a thing. So maybe they'll give him, I don't know, maybe they'll update this unit a little bit, giving them a little bit more pizzazz. So that is what I think, but let's move on. Kazi Eliminators. When the Kazi require the killing to be carried out with utter discretion and assurance, they turn to the Eliminators of the Korsk Underworld. No mere thugs, Eliminators practice their deadly trade with the finesse of artists. 
They hold their criminal peers in disdain, sneering at those who require strength in numbers to ply their bloody trade. In a loose tradition, most eliminators prefer to work in pairs, choosing their professional partners with the same care they exercise in selecting their blades. For their lives and livelihood depend on that choice. Eliminators are consummate professionals who constantly refine their lethal art. They spend countless hours training their bodies and stealing their minds to the murderous purpose. Eliminators make each step with careful calculations, no motion wasted, no sound betraying their intentions. A partnered pair moves in tandem, each anticipating the other's every move. When the time comes to, for them to perform their bloody service, they do so with the grace that would seem like ease were anyone present to observe it. Since the expansion of the Kadoran border, the Kiazi have found themselves increasingly entangled in the affairs of the army. Accordingly, individual Kiazis now often hire eliminators to aid their commanders in the success they take special interest in. Though eliminators spend most of their careers cutting throats in darkened alleyways and hallways, they are equally talented in dealing death on the battlefield. Slipping into oppressive combatants, eliminators evade their enemies with mocking def deafness until they can close to deliver the killing blow. Yeah, and these guys are quick and very, very dodgy. These make the other assassins look like, well, they're kind of clumsy in comparison. And I've seen these guys chase in, run over, run right through a unit just to attack a commander behind everybody. And it's, it's pretty terrifying, especially if you're on the end of it. Or the, you know, the taking end of it. But let's read their Mark 3 points and make assumptions of what's going to happen in Mark 4. Alright, they have parry, which will most likely be turned into unstoppable. And they have innate stealth. Uh, they also have their Assassin's Blade at a 9, but they have two of them each. And they both have five health boxes as well. They're a speed 7. My goodness, it's very fast. A mat 7. A defense 15. And a arm 11. So these guys are very, very dodgy even compared to elf standards. Uh, they have Acrobat, which means they can move through models if they have enough movement to can get completely past them. And then they ignore intervening models when they're charging because, well, <laughs> if you don't see them there, they just move right through. Uh, they have anatomical precision as well, so if they don't get over the armor, they automatically do one point of damage and they remove tough. They still have Duelist, which gets their defense up to a staggering 17 in melee, which, yeah, that's, that's terrifying. And they still have... They still have gangs, so if they're attacking the same target, they get up to a a uh, 11 on that and a mat of 9, which is awful. And they have sidestep too, so after they hit somebody, they can just move off to the side two inches and allow, uh, allow people behind them to just rush in and finish them off if they didn't already do it. Uh, they also have a combo strike on their weapon, which means you take their strength, well, you know, back in the day they had strength, of a five, then you add twice of their power of their weapons. So basically you're getting these guys up to a, a five plus power four plus power four, getting them up to a 14 attack as well, or a technically a 16 because they have, uh, they have gang on top of that. So yeah, these guys are striking with a 16 on one blow with their combo strike. Yeah, that's terrifying. Especially for a model as small and quick as that is, that is a uh, that is a sniper shot. That is a that is dinging pretty hard on a warjack. That is all sorts of just awfulness for these guys, but thus making them very dangerous. 
Um, do I believe they'll be changing up too much of these guys? I hope not, just because these guys are actually pretty pretty solid on their own. And if you run an entire chaos army, basically, uh, which which they have seen a lot of chaos armies because these guys are pretty awesome. But uh, these guys would be the prime assassins in that group. So, yeah, keep them going because, well... It's always good to have an additional assassins and an army built on assassins, right? But let's go over the final character we have for the irregulars, and that is Underboss Viscoya. And unfortunately, we don't have that much information on him as well, just because he is from the ravings of a, a madman from the side game of Riot Quest. But we'll read what information we have, and then we'll just go over his Mark III versions, just because he doesn't have a Mark IV yet. Viscoya was once a Chaosi underboss, but the Chaosi have been scattered to the winds since the apocalypse. Without a criminal syndicate to help run, Viscoya decided to put his skills to use elsewhere. The former underboss is a master at breaking and entering, capable of pulling heists only Lord Zazello would dream of attempting. With his trusty grapple gun and a bladed crowbar in hand, there's no trap door or locked fault that Viscoya can't get into. But let's read over his Mark 3 and make some assumptions of what's going to happen in Mark 4. Um, I've never actually seen this guy at work. I've heard about him, but I've never actually seen him doing stuff. But let's see what he's got. Alrighty, he is a speed 6, a mat of 8, because he is an underboss, so mat of 8 makes sense. He is a rat of 6, defense 13, arm 12. Uh, he has parry, which is probably going to be changed over to that unstoppable. He has innate stealth. He has tough, because he is an underboss. His grapple gun is a range 8, POW 12, and his bladed crowbar is a POW 12, so not too crazy there. Oh, and something I forgot to mention, most of the Kaazi are partisans, which means, you know, when they're working for Kodor, they'll be Kodoran, but they are mercenary models that will work for other factions as well. So if you have other factions that like working with Kaazi, probably find them in there. But back to Viscoya. His abilities are Creeper, which allows him to move through other models and get, <laughs> if he has enough room to get completely past them, which is a little different from Acrobat because Acrobat allows you to charge through other models. So I guess he, he does not, he's not able to charge through other models. Uh, he has dual attacks, so he can attack with both his melee and ranged attacks during the same thing. Of course, he has duelist, so he gets a plus two defense, get him up to a defense of 15. Uh, he has Fortune Hunter, so he gains an additional die on its range attacks and damage rolls against character models, which is great if you're looking for this guy to hunt character solos on the battlefield. Yeah, spooky. And he also, that probably also helped when he's attacking leaders as well, but I think they might have updated that, but we'll find out. His grapple gun has some attack types, so it has pull, which allows you to pull in models with the equal to or smaller base size than him and directly towards them unless of course they're being pulled through things like other models obstacles or obstructions so eh, that happens sometimes but then he has real in so if he's attacking an enemy or another enemy that you know say is the same size or bigger than him or smaller than him i don't think there's anybody smaller than him he can actually put himself base to base contact with them instead of pulling them to him he pulls him to them makes sense i think so and especially since he has uh, since he has dual attack anyway, he can pull himself up to them and then take a swing. Uh, his bladed crowbar has brain damage, so a model damaged by that weapon 
uh, cannot cast spells for one round, and then he has critical stagger as well, so on a critical hit, it loses its initial attacks and cannot make power attacks or special attack rolls for one round. So, uh, yeah, that thing that thing can uh, really clock in some stuff. And because he has Fortune Hunter as a standard ability, if you do that to a character, uh, he's just getting boosted everything on those. So, so he's rolling a three die to hit and a three die for damage on a POW 12 on both of those shots. So, yeah, this guy is definitely a character solo hunter or just a character hunter in general. Very dangerous. Keep him in your back pocket if you like to use him. But that is it for all the irregulars of the Kadoran army. Um, next week, we're going to be going over the Grey Lords, and we're also going to be going over the Doom Reavers just because, well, I've seen very few armies of both of those, but, you know, they do not make up a whole huge specific list of the Kadoran military and in Mark IV the Grey Lords have pretty much been wiped out anyway due to their well trying to work with some uh, infernals from the outer darkness but you know that is neither here nor there but I wanted to thank you guys all for listening if you are enjoying this please like subscribe comment let me know how I'm doing let me know what words I have mispronounced because I am really good at mispronouncing words over and over again and will I correct the pronunciations? Maybe, maybe not. Really depends on how fast I am reading or talking in general. Um, thank you again, Privateer Press, for letting us read your fantastic lore. Uh, and as always, class dismissed. <laughs>